0: that trick that trick that that Welcome to another edition of the Grizzden Pod. It's been a while. Uh, we were full of empty promises the last time we were on these airwaves, and we don't apologize for the break that we took because it was nice. Uh, we enjoyed some playoff basketball, um, and we... We're sitting back to, I guess, wait on what was going to come of this next season. Um, I'll welcome uh, Brantley to the pod. Let's go. Hey, Ty.
1: Excited to be here, guys.
0: We're back. Excited. New season. We could have breaking news tonight as we were recording on this Thursday night, November 5th, the... uh, player representatives for the NBA Players Association are meeting right now to pretty much what has been reported as a formality to vote on uh, the agreement for this upcoming season, which uh, we'll go over some details and we'll discuss here right off the bat. Um, but we got a good pod planned. We're going to go through um, just all the offseason season slash predictions slash discussions uh, for the Grizzlies. So we'll go through the draft. We'll go free agency, trade ideas. Uh, I also put together a little um, player slash team tier data project that we'll uh, all introduce, get the guys' reactions on. Um, but, yeah, let's start. <laughs> yeah. Nerd. <laughs> Let's start with the NBA season. So the proposal is that the season comes back on December 22nd. Uh, the draft was already postponed to November 18th. That shouldn't move. And then free agency would start a couple of days after that on the 20th, right around there. Um, what, what was y'all's reaction when in the last couple of weeks the news came in that the season could start like before Christmas? Because it initially was not, I think,
2: like many did not think that it was going to be that soon. I honestly just was still just getting over the fact that we just ended the bubble, which sort of felt like a, a marathon. So I was like, huh, I was pleasantly surprised. I will enjoy watching that over the holidays. That's about all I thought.
1: Yeah, I didn't think about it much either. I just, I feel like basketball just ended. Great pod. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't Uh, think about it it very much. See y'all next week eh. as we discuss other
0: things.
1: (laughs) Uh, No, I didn't really think it was a chance to start because they initially threw out December, and then it immediately jumped to, like, March. And then it kind of has been working its way back ever since then. Yeah. Um, Then we heard MLK Day, which got Memphis fans pumped because we thought we would be, like, one of the – marquee games um in memphis which is fun we always play on mlk day uh hopefully against the pelicans moving forward that'd be fun um without drew holiday
2: yeah hopefully yes okay cool
1: uh so yeah it's kind of like i can't really wrap my mind around the nba starting back i truly felt like it just ended um so it's kind of hard to imagine it starting so soon y'all
0: care that um, y'all care more about basketball being back or more about uh, finding a way for fans to be involved? Like, do you care that you could potentially watch an f- entire Grizzly season but not be able to go and see a game in FedEx Forum?
1: Well, I think I would rather, like, have basketball than not, if that makes sense. So, if they say, we're either going to start in December and no fans or we're not going to start at all until fans. Like, I'd rather start without fans. Um 'Cause realistically I like I'm not gonna go to a, a ton of games personally. It's fun having like fans there, obviously, to, you know, set the mood and have an environment. But I'd rather watch basketball if like those were the two
0: options. Same. That's exactly what I was feeling too. I mean, I saw a report earlier, it might have been today, that they were talking about how, you know, they could find a way to have some boxes be open mm-hmm. if they are like, you know, obviously regulated and Safe, but I was like, Yeah, that makes sense actually to have because that's already like a natural barrier between fans and everything. Right. So, we're, we're going to start a Grisden pod GoFundMe, uh, <laughs> so that you guys can send us to the games in a box and we'll report back. Podcast live, we'll from put the box. Everybody yeah. who donates will put your names on seats and it'll be like you're there.
1: It'll be great. We'll send
2: you our new shirt. There you go, and you can just come too. That would be fun, or that. Go GoFund- it. We'll do a drawing and for those come who to the box. <laughs> <Sounds great>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: there you go. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I definitely, I definitely want basketball back already. Even though I know we just ended, but I think that it's fun when you have. Um, it's fun to be excited about our team. Like it's, it, it makes a difference for sure. Uh, and I think that uh, LeBron not being potentially involved for a while because he said he's gonna like cherry pick his games that he's coming back that makes me happy because I just don't love the Lakers. Ty, what you had something to say?
1: So my one thing about it starting so soon is it's been said for the last three or four years, especially with the Twitter NBA NBA Twitter era really cranking up. Like the NBA is a is a year long you know, 12-month season, as they call it. And I kind of love the in-between, right? Everyone does. Like, that's been one of the biggest, not knocks against the NBA, but, like, even, like, ratings and stuff, everyone, the comeback is, yeah, but, like, there's so much activity about the NBA all the time. And that's, like, a fun season to be in. Like, what I'll talk about that is draft, free agency trades. Like, that stuff's super fun to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And that... Is not necessarily going to get cut short, but it's almost like that process is sped up now, which is fun still. But you don't have like that to kind of look for. Like you literally at this point, like the draft is going to happen in the next few weeks. And then like a month later, the season starts.
2: Yeah. The anticipation. T- so uh, behind the pod here, lifting the veil on how we pod, whenever we have things to say, we raise our hand. <laughs> Y'all don't know that. So that we don't don't speak up across one another. Ty raised his hand, and then I raised mine, and I was thinking the same thing. Seriously, it's like the anticipation of the NBA is for those, you know, that are in between, like, uh, injected into my veins slash maybe four touches over than casual, the buildup is what makes following the NBA so fun right now. Um, it's the journalists. It's people making you think about players. Kind of the it's pop the, culturey yeah. type cultural things. ease of movement too. Yeah. Like it's flexibility.
0: Everything is moving every season, so it's always new.
2: Yeah, and one move
1: could be like potentially yeah. a big deal. Right. Like and it's reality player, TV One player could go too. from one team to the next, yeah. and that could vault someone. Yeah, like a
0: team. It's like a player being unhappy for a reason is a huge storyline because yeah. it could have real ramifications yep. on the floor uh because of the the potential of changing teams.
2: So here's my theory. I think it's about to get nuts. Oh yeah. Why do you think that? Mainly because with big franchises right now that have a lot at stake. Name them. Just a few. I'm going to say the Sixers, I'm going to say the Rockets, I'm going to say the Warriors and the Lakers. Clips, too. And the Clips. Those five. And Milwaukee
1: with Giannis. I mean, you
2: could go down the line. Sure, sure. Milwaukee, six. Yeah. All of those have got to do things to compete next year. Uh, arguably, the Lakers don't have to do anything, right. quote-unquote, yeah. but I think that's big. Will. They, they will. They've got to do something. they got to add more players. So, And the Sixers are basically saying, like, it's e- they're not going to blow it back up. They're hiring people from a GM and You're coach perspective money. to try to figure out how to, like, make what they currently have work or get rid of those assets to add back in. So all I'm saying is that when I've been just sort of, like, honestly casually following some of this movement, I'm just like, man, I really love where the Grizzlies sit right now. We've got a couple assets that we can be flexible with to take on a little bit more salary if those come with picks. We could take on some young assets. We'll, I'm sure we'll really go into this later in a second with maybe some real trade proposals and predicting what could happen. But, you know, one of the reasons why I think we wanted to get together is just for for all you loyal Grizzden listeners is to say, like, buckle up. In my opinion, buckle up. I sort of am predicting um, a little bit of intensity over a really shortened period of time, right, before we get started in December. And normally maybe... We have a little bit more buildup, so it feels like it's longer, even though all of these franchisees are going to get the same period of time to probably do their business. Um, yeah, so
1: Yeah, and the nuts part of it may not necessarily involve the Grizz directly. It may be more of the a team is trying to make a big move like Golden State did a year ago. And they needed to dump salary, who could they dump salary to? Oh, the Grizz are sitting there. We get a first-round pick. We could be kind of like the beneficiary of a desperate team, which to me is perfect. Let's, let's have that. If we could get like a young asset that someone's given up on or a pick that someone's not worried about because they're trying to win now, whatever that may look like, I think the Grizz need to be in a position where they are able to take on things. Um, And our salary cap situation has changed. I don't know if we'll go into more details later, but we don't have as much space as what we did originally because we took back several contracts in the Justice Winslow trade. But we're still in an opportunity to take on on some stuff to get assets back and to potentially help out teams that are looking to win now, per se, I guess.
0: Yeah, another wrinkle in this, too, is that uh – the grizzlies aren't necessarily uh a free agent destination which means that we benefit off yet. of trades yeah not yet not yet um but it will be one of the one of the interesting things about this particular free agent class is that it's not very deep um there really is there's there are a couple of marquee quote unquote free agents they're they're restricted uh like for instance Brandon Ingram is technically a free agent but all signs are pointing to him getting the max at New Orleans. So, but what that is, uh, what that is interesting for the Grizz is that they are going to be beneficiaries of smart trades rather than free agent signings. And so, there is more intrigue, I think, in a in a in an offseason like this one, where um, I think the smartest teams will prevail rather than the uh, glamorous destinations, um, because. Let's be honest, the Lakers for the last 10 years have been complete idiots in the front office, and yet they just won the title because they're in LA. So we have to be smart, which is why, and we have smart people that are running our team now, which is why it could be fun. So, yeah, this will be an interesting, interesting offseason. Like, I agree with you, Brantley. Like, it's going to heat up. Um, well, let's go. Let's go to the draft now. Um The Grizzlies have a second round pick. What are we at? Forty one? Forty. Forty. We're at forty. Um and Ty is our resident draft <laughs> expert and has expert is generous. <laughs> he's been he's been reading all the mocks. He's been comparing them. He's been uh he's been researching some, some guys that could fit what the Grizzlies are trying to do and uh, I think we could all benefit from this reporting from Ty Smith senior Yeah,
1: real in depth
0: Uh, so Ty take us through like three or four of your favorite guys to target at
1: number 40 so I think being at 40 we're already kind of limited because there's 39 other teams that pick ahead of us which is other teams or just other picks other picks. Not
2: that's other teams, that's right?
1: true. Other picks. That but that's happen.
2: also math. I'm proud of you.
1: <laughs> I did it. So we're kind of limited into what <laughs> we can get. And I think some of my guys are like hopefuls that they'll fall. But looking through different mock drafts from different places Yahoo, The Ringer, uh, the Athletics, CBS Sports, all these different places, you can't find any consistency maybe within the top five you can find some consistency but after that it's like a it's a zoo everyone especially in starting in like the middle of the first round on like everyone has so many different players placed in certain positions it's you can't find like the same guy in the same spot hardly um from like outside the lottery on um So, with some of these guys, I got four guys listed uh, to kind of be on the watch for. Some of these guys are projected first-round picks by some mock draft people. Others, they go undrafted. Um, Others, they go late second. So, like, it's kind of all over the place. So, there's basically why I'm telling you this is because it seems like there's a chance that we could get one of these guys. Um, So, the first guy is Elijah Hughes uh, from Syracuse um he's great size basically like a wing scorer and looking through different kind of mock drafts and bios on him he basically had to carry Syracuse's offense cuz they didn't have anyone else that could do anything offensively um so he potentially was forcing some bad shots um but he can score like he's a wing scorer that's that's kind of his thing uh he's a little bit older he's 22 um so he's a little bit more developed think brandon clark kind of potentially coming in ready to play a certain role um for a winning team so he's not necessarily a project um which some people may prefer that some people may not second guy is cassius stanley from duke uh this is definitely a, a project potentially so he's 20 years old but he was only played his freshman years so he's a little bit older um he's just an athlete he's a freak of an athlete plays on the wing. Um, Good size, fast break machine, like get him in the open floor and just get ready to be wild. Um, Offensive game is pretty raw. Defensive game, also pretty raw. Kind of reminds me of, from Grizz fans' perspective, uh, Josh Jackson. Um, Honestly, probably a little bit more athletic, but similar kind of long, rangy player who maybe can hit like a standstill three but really thrives in transition. Um, Really athletic, really active. Uh, The next guy is Tyler Bay from Colorado. Uh, So the athletics mock draft has us taking him at 40, actually. That's why I put him in here. Um, So to me, he kind of reminds me of a Brandon Clark type player. Um, Defense is his strong suit. Apparently like a crazy good defender from the wing. Basically can guard one through four almost. Um, Really good defender on the perimeter, shot blocker. Offensive game is complimentary is what I've seen. Uh, maybe he can hit a standstill three, maybe he can do some stuff in the pick and roll, but can't really run the offense for you in any kind of way. Um, I just thought that was interesting because a lot of people have him going early second round, and, again, the Athletic has us taking him, so I thought I would add him. So my guy who I really, really want is a guy named Isaiah Joe uh, from Arkansas. Um, 21 years old. He just finished his sophomore year. He's a wing scorer again. He's about six six. Um, the dude's offensive game is super smooth. He can score from pretty much anywhere on the floor. Great shot. Get to the rim. Good mid range. Can handle the ball. Passes well. Uh, apparently, he's got a really thin frame. I think he's like six six, but he only weighs like one eighty. Um, but I mean, he can he can gain some weight, obviously. But that's the guy I want. And Kevin O'Connor for the Ringer has him, I think, in his big board. Let me double check. It's in the twenties, I believe. Uh, 28 on his big board, but doesn't have him going in the first round. The athletic, I'm pretty sure, doesn't even have him in his getting drafted at all. So back to the point of like, this could just go so many different ways. Um, everyone needs to go watch YouTube clips of Isaiah Joe, and it'll get you really excited. You get stroke. So that's who I hope we get. That's that's my guy. Yeah, I, that was I, long. I'm sorry. No, that's great. You kidding? Uh,
0: this is yeah. Well, I mean, any of those guys, I don't. I don't uh Stanley is is a guy to me that feels like a Chris Wallace pick. Like you're drafting the guy from a blue blood program who isn't is a freak athlete, can't shoot but can do a
1: lot of things and is Tony a project. Roten. Think Tony Roten. Yeah. Um freak athlete who yeah. can't really do anything well. But could develop. Yeah. Who knows? Like uh
0: it was is like Xavier Henry from Drafts yes. of Old. Yeah. yeah. Um, Isaiah Joe like it, I think one of the common themes of the guys that you just named is they're all wings and for the most part they can all shoot Yeah, which is purpose. important Yeah, uh, because that's exactly what the Grizzlies are lacking especially from in, in an efficient way I, I had one, actually two guys, one of them is actually a teammate of Isaiah Joe's, Mason Jones have you seen any? I have so a lot of yeah. people
1: have him going late second so he should yeah. be obtainable um the he's, knock on him is he just shoots really terrible shots, but he also led the SEC in scoring yeah, this past year. He's a guy who
0: to me it's important to have really good coaching to rein him in, but like he can't he can get on heaters if he,
1: he looks like sixth man off the bench could yes. like Microwave. lead all six men in scoring one year.
0: Right. And then the other one is I don't think he's going to get drafted. Um, which is a shame. But Skylar Mays from LSU. I don't know if y'all watched any LSU yeah, in the last year. Quarter player. He's 23, played guard, yeah. Which is very old for uh the NBA draft nowadays, but he is so polished and he can shoot. I follow a guy on Twitter, Jonathan Gavoni, who's a draft express guy. Um and he was tweeting out all these percentages from um the NBA combine, which is going on. Um, and uh, Skylar Mays had the second um, highest percentage of spot-up threes out of every every um, every player at 76%. Oh, my um, gosh. Which Jordan Noora was first with 82%. You're so. from
1: Minnesota, is that right? I think so. Also projected to go late second, so we yeah, potentially have no, a stab so at him too.
0: That's a guy who I watch, and I think, like, He's already an NBA player. It's just the age thing is going to be a knock for him.
1: But if you look at the who the Grizz drafted last year, yeah, we got Ja, who was 20, coming in. But we also drafted Brandon Clark right. in the first round, who was a 23-year-old rookie. Right. So we're not afraid to go after a role guy Right. that could potentially come in polished and ready to play an NBA role. You also
0: automatically, so. to me, um, looking from like a contract perspective, you're gonna have him on a rookie deal for four, for four years, especially in the second round. It's like, it's very team it's like friendly.
1: Yes, yeah, maybe a less than a million dollars, right? right. A it's, year, it could
0: is. be if you go light, late enough. But then after that, like whenever if he's good enough to extend, usually it's not going to be for some crazy number because you have be the leverage of the too, age. Yep. Yeah, that so too, yeah, it's very team friendly in a position that where we are, and uh, while the draft is not super top heavy there's uh, everybody who covers the draft in depth has said that it's uh, full of rotation guys, which is exactly what the Grizzlies can benefit from. So,
2: okay. So I have a question on this for y'all really quickly. So one of strategy, which I think is there's a couple of options going into this draft that the front office could take first sit back, be patient, take advantage of your spot, and wait, see what other craziness happens in front of you. Don't get you know too intense with trying to move up and just take a guy that you really, really like, has the best option for maybe being a rotation player to fill in maybe a gap for other type wings or bigs if you know you have certain players that you're going to get rid of maybe in – you know, the next year from a trade perspective. Okay, so let's just say one of those players is Dylan Brooks. you want to re- kind of fill in that two-spot? Who is a player that might could give you some scoring, some spot-up shooting, or whatever, like you just suggested? The second one is, like, where is are like, oh, there's some craziness because of everything that's been happening in the world and what happened in, the in with, with no tournament this past year to, from the NCAA perspective where you, you may be targeting an, an ability to move up and get a guy that you really want. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm saying something like that is I, it just kind of – when we were sort of talking before the pod, I was like, what's a year where I, I sort of just remember certain players maybe moving up in the draft because of their performance in the tournament? And I was just looking at it in 2011 as kind of one of those where – that happened. This is the Kyrie Irving draft where he went first to Cleveland, which he was kind of like the no-brainer perennial number one overall pick. But you had guys like Derek Williams, Kimba Walker bump up into the top ten. Um, but then you, you kind of scroll – this is a draft that you kind of look at it and there was really no clear top three or four. Like we've sort of seen in the past couple of years where the Grizzlies got Jaron and Ja, which we benefited from. You had guys like – uh, Vucevic um, falling to six or, you know, being picked at 16th. Tobias Harris, 19th. Um, Reggie Jackson, 24th. Our boy Marshawn Brooks, 25th. Um, Jimmy Butler, 30th. Uh, uh, and then this is Ty's favorite draft because 38th overall was Chandler Parsons. So. <laughs> All that to say, this could be a draft where everyone's just saying, like, it's good rotation players, good rotation players. But for something like the Grizzlies, who could jump up, maybe, you know, trade some picks or get rid of whatever it is, pay to move up to get their guy in the first round, late first round, because it's someone they really believe in because they've done their homework. Um, what strategy would you – so I'm kind of disclaiming all of this. What strategy do you hope that they take? of those two options.
0: Personally, I think they're in a unique spot to where, um, like last year, last off season, we had some very obvious holes in our roster that is just like, we really need this particular player, um, or type of player this year. It's, it's, it's funny because I feel like we have, a a rotation that, um despite, I would say like league wide would be considered a playoff type roster in the West this year, it might not be enough. But if we were ranking from just power rankings, we would probably be in the top 16. Um, and, and we have weaknesses, and I feel like one of those weaknesses is at the wing position. Um, Dylan Brooks is a, to me, as we've discussed many times, like a very, um, stop gap type solution there. He's not, he's more of a, a, rotation guy off the bench, but you can salvage having him in your starting lineup if you really need to and have the right pieces around. And with that in mind, I am more along the, um, thought process of, uh, don't jump up unless you are absolutely sure. Because um, last year, to me, it was worth jumping up to take a guy like Brandon Clark because there was just an obvious potential there. And you could, I mean, draft guys everywhere were like, why is this guy falling? And we saw that it was a steal. But I don't know if they're with the guys that like Ty just listed out, there are very similar types of players that we can take and not all of them cross our fingers are going to be taken before 40. Like it's just not going to happen. And, and so if we, if we're trying to, to nab a player that has a very specific skill set, which is you can hit threes consistently and maybe can play, make a little bit and defend like we can find a three and D player out of this draft. And there's not one guy that would fit, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think it depends on, like, what... So, the, especially question of moving up in the draft, to me it really has a lot to do with what we would be giving up mm-hmm. to get there. Um, so, I'll just start... Let's just start with pick 20th overall and on. We'll finish out the, the first round starting at 20. So, starting at pick 20 is Miami, then 21, and on goes Philadelphia, Denver, Utah... Milwaukee, Oklahoma City, Boston, the Knicks, the Lakers, Toronto, and Boston again. So I was kind of thinking, like, who amongst, like, I mainly started with Philly at 21 because Daryl Morey, you truly have no idea what in the world he would do. I can't really come up with a great scenario of trading. My idea was, like, who would we give as a player that's currently on the roster and the 40th pick to move into the first round i can't really come up with much um and i think what you're looking for in this draft i'm gonna piggyback this is basically exactly what will said we're looking for a role guy like i mean that's pretty much what we're looking for i gotta fill a role and i think we can just as well find a guy at 25 to fill a role than we can at 40 i don't think moving up is necessarily that beneficial unless there's a guy so one guy that I'm in love with is Desmond Bain from TCU um he's an older player I'm pretty sure he's a senior graduated from TCU shoots the rock crazy well and is just like one of the more complimentary players you could ever find like he can fill all the roles think Courtney Lee but actually like shoots the ball and shoots it well
2: bad comp um I, liked, a I, I, you. I like. You're not selling me on Courtney
1: I liked Courtney Lee. I thought Art he did crazy. a lot of little things well, but he just didn't shoot at all, but, or
2: care in big games.
1: Maybe so, but Desmond Bain <laughs> can do a little bit of everything. He just fits naturally with a lot of different teams. You could plug and play him, pretty much on any team in the NBA. Like if he falls to like 28 and he's like undrafted at the time, like I think we take advantage somehow. Like we did with Brandon Clark. Like we probably didn't think Brandon Clark would fall to where he fell. Right. We saw an opportunity, we jumped in and snagged it unless some guy that we have really high on our board, I could see the Grizz last summer having Brandon Clark like in their top ten. Like It wouldn't shock me that he was like, he's a top ten player on our board. If we have another top ten player on our board falling continually down the ranks and we see an opportunity, I think it's worth it then, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. One Um, thing
0: I think you could see is uh, a similar sort of trade to where I don't think you're going to see the Grizzlies, this is my opinion. I don't think you're going to see them giving up any any asset that has value in order to get into the first round of this draft, but I think you could see them give up a future second to maybe jump up five or six picks if they yes. have a guy that they are
1: targeting. Exactly what we did last year. Right. We gave up a future second to OKC to move up three spots or something like right. that. I could definitely see that happening, but I think we need to stay a little bit patient because I've heard reports – Like I'm a reporter. I've seen stuff. I've read stuff on the Google. Your sources say. Yeah. Basically, Atlanta is like doing everything they can to make a playoff push. And they're going to try to, apparently, some people have them going after DeMar DeRozan, basically doing a pick swap between them and San Antonio and getting DeRozan. Like, if the Grizzlies were in this situation, I'd be like, what are we doing? Like, we do not need DeMar DeRozan. I don't want to try to speed up our timeline for – Terrible reasons right, to prove to the organization that, hey, we're trying to win. I don't think the Grizz are in any way in that same situation. But I do not want to see us trying to sell out for something that only helps in the short term that actually harms
2: our long-term plan. That's what I do not want to see. So I think the key thing that I heard both of you say is patience and willingness to accept moving up. Because I th- I think at least after one year, there's a level of trust with the front office for moving up to go after a guy where you think they were maybe a, where we're getting a guy that was clearly higher on our board but fell in the draft. So I don't know if we'll necessarily have that benefit this year, it feels like, because the board is sort of all over the place for a lot of different people and it also sounded like the thing that you'd be willing to give up was like a future second, but that's about it to move up. Yeah,
1: so like an example is let's say like the Grizzlies somehow have Isaiah Joe like crazy how on their board, right? Or maybe like a guy who is projected to be higher. Um, Some people have, so Elijah Hughes is another guy that I mentioned. Some people have him going in the first round. So let's say 34th comes around, 34th pick, Elijah Hughes is still on the board and that's Philadelphia is sitting there. Like, I would not be shocked if the Grizz say, hey, we'll take 34, we'll give you 40 in a future second, and Philadelphia's like, fine, to move up four four or five or six spots to get a guy that we really, really want, and we're only giving up a future second. I could see that happening. But us giving, like, a future first, like, I definitely do not think that would happen. Us giving up a player that we like... So one guy I kind of threw out is like, what would it take if we moved up a little bit higher in the first round? Like, what if we did 40th and, like, Grayson? And the more I thought about it, I was like, Grayson played – he was maybe our best player in the bubble. Like, I do not think we would give up a guy – I don't know what his percentage from three was in the bubble, but it felt like he never missed. And we're literally describing Grayson Allen when we talked about who we won in this draft. We want a guy who can play a role and shoot a good three ball, and that's Grayson Allen. So I don't think we would give up necessarily a player either. I think of a player that we can, a player you can be on the watch Would you for, give up Dylan Brooks? No, I don't think so. Not to make a move five spots up. Okay. I just, think Dylan has a little bit more fun. value than I that. agree. Oh, um, he has more trade value in my yes, opinion. Yes, I think so too. I think Dylan could be, thrown into a trade that can get you more than that i'm sure will we'll talk about that later oh yeah so one guy i mentioned is a guy or one guy i thought of who could play a very specific role on a good team Who's a very smart player is kyle anderson i could see like a contender wanting like a seventh eighth man who could play a specific role and not really worried about a late first round pick to be like hey yeah we'll trade you 40 and give you kyle anderson and you take 20 I don't know, 28th overall, 29th overall. Maybe the Lakers are like, Kyle Anderson would be great with our second unit. We'll give you 28, and we'll take 40 in and Kyle Anderson, and we'll somehow make the salaries match. I don't know how that would work, but I could see that happening. Like a guy not necessarily in the future of the Grizzlies. Kyle Anderson, I do not believe, is in the future of the Grizz- Grizzlies.
0: All right, so let's let's move from the draft and have – a. L- let's have a De'Anthony Melton conversation because this is the one decision that the Grizzlies are going to have to make. And it is – he's D'Anthony Melton, um, for those who don't know, uh, was traded for from Phoenix last year. Um, and he is a restricted free agent, which means um, if – Basically, he's a free agent. Any team can make an offer, but since he's restricted, the Grizzlies have the option to uh, match whatever offer is made for him. Um, John Hollinger came out with a an article in the Athletic very recently. I don't know if y'all saw this. Um, he was going. He's going by position, and he has his free agents. He's come up with this formula to basically show. Um, he calculates like a dollar value for a player. He said, this is not necessarily what I think they're what they're going to end up getting on the open market, but this is what dollar value he has based on their analytics. Um, DeAnthony Milton was his number one shooting guard free agent uh, at about $15 million and his second ranked shooting guard, and this is by virtue of it being a very sparse class, His second ranked was Bogdan Bogdanovich, but he had Melton above Bogdanovich, which I thought was incredibly interesting. Um, That's the most Hollinger thing I've ever heard. I know, I know. Hollinger, I think, just, I mean, it's it's, the analytics do love Melton. So here's the question that I'll put on the table. Uh, What is the dollar amount that uh, basically makes you walk away from a guy like Melton? Because... Like it or not, like the Grizzlies are going to have to make a decision on him. So where do you stand if you're the general manager of the Grizzlies here?
1: Not everybody at once. I think, man, Melton is interesting. Um, I think he's a really good like role player, but I really wonder how much he moves the needle. Um, some Grizzlies fans and Grizzlies – Blogs, blog outlets, believe, content producers. Yeah, con- yes, great term. Content producers. I'm in marketing. They believe that he is a huge needle mover for any team that he plays on. Um, I think when you look at analytics, you also have to have, as what people call the eye test, right? You got to watch the games that he plays in. There are some games where I watch D'Anthony Melton and I think, gosh, we would not have won this game without his production. We wouldn't have done it. He does a lot of little things crazy well. I will watch a game two games later and I'm like, did he even play? To me, I think first of all, you got to look at like teams with cap space and what the market truly is for De'Anthony Melton. There's about four or five teams with decent cap space. And I do not think, especially team like Atlanta we mentioned, like they're trying to make a playoff push. Does the addition of DeAnthony Melton automatically make them a playoff team? I would say no, right? He probably comes off the bench for them. Maybe their seventh man, I have no idea. I don't think we need to go crazy on it. The argument I've heard is that we have all of this space – and our big players, meaning John, Jaron, aren't up for extension for several more years, which I completely understand. But the more we pay for a player like D'Anthony Melton, the less we are flexible to work certain deals and to be able to add people to take on first-round picks. The more we are to maybe find a team willing to trade to try to win now. We wouldn't have been able to have Justice Winslow and take on that salary. We wouldn't have, that would not have happened if we didn't have space. I think there are benefits to having space rather than just filling it to fill it because we have it. I think there are benefits to leaving some open space available to do certain things. And I think if we – so back to your original question. I kind of got carried away. I think anything over $10 million a year is really tough to swallow for D. Anthony. I think the mid-level exception is a great deal. If you were to tell me who would you rather have... what's the mid-level have, per year, Ty? It's about $9 million, maybe a little more. Touch Which is more than, than what Tyus 10. makes, Tyus by the way. got the mid-level.
2: I know. Kyle but Anderson. That's... Yeah, it goes up
1: usually every year. Well, the cap goes up, so I don't know what's going to happen now. But would you rather have Grizz fans answer this in your head? Would you rather have Tyus or would you rather have DeAnthony moving forward? That's a question to pose about how much you would pay him. To me, that's a great... Kind of watermark as to where moving forward, how much you would want to pay to Anthony. I think ten million a year is probably the most I would go. A four year forty million dollar deal sounds pretty good to me. Um, I think if you start going to the fifteen million a year, like Hollinger said, okay. Another question: Would you rather have? Dude, that's or JV Milton? money. Oh, this well, is this it's is exactly. this is
2: nuts. Excuse, you can bleep that out. Yeah. <laughs> so. It is the content agree. producer that is talking that level of money clearly did not watch the bubble. Like, I don't know what happened to DeAnthony. I was, I could not have been more high on any other Grizz role player besides Tyus pre bubble than DeAnthony. He was awesome. He fit and you in. You saw what with happened team. without Tyus. He by the gelled. Way the bubble. And I, like, maybe he was impacted the most by Tyus being out because we had found his role perfectly on that roster, and he could not fill in on the point guard I spot. I think that's the
0: devil's advocate argument there.
2: It, it is, and which, to me, that puts him in an unflexible role scenario, sort of like our boy Kyle. Like, he, he's very particular in what's needed. No, so for a guy that's like 6'2", coming off the bench that doesn't play point guard... That's really tough. He can't play point guard. And if I'm not going to read out all of his per game stats for you in the bubble, but they weren't good. And if you watch the games, there's a reason why we thought, man, Grayson had a great bubble. It's all awesome. Grayson did have a good bubble, but DeAnthony had a terrible bubble. And so it's a it's sort of a matter of strategy of which one can have different opinions about your strategy. Do you want chemistry? Do you want solid basketball players in the regular season to sort of just help the development of your stars? That's one strategy. Another strategy is team flexibility to be able to take advantage of certain scenarios to build upon the future of your stars. And that's where I think our strategy as a front office should be so. To me, going anything above eight million is ludicrous for De'Anthony Melton. And my, my question, sort of getting into this whole strategy of retaining players within an RFA situation, is: Do we know that certain teams want him to where we should sign him and then trade? That's where I would sort of be. I'd be sort of comfortable with it. Um, obviously because we think we are going to get something back and we're going to control our destiny with getting something back for him because, I mean, we traded – who's the West Virginia kid that I can't think of off the We traded Javon Carter for him um, and got Josh Jackson back, right, Two, So – and a pick, right? Two uh, seconds. Two seconds, mm-hmm. which is nuts. So – It is nuts. I just, like, I loved Melton on the team. He filled in great in the regular season. He was a major, major part of our success in the regular season, but he does not fit on a playoff contending team, period. The team that gets him will quickly find, in my opinion, that he does not need to play more than 12 minutes per game in a playoff scenario.
0: Yeah, I think the – I remember we had a conversation – We had a conversation during the bubble that, you know, Melton's struggles could actually be best case for the Grizzlies long-term because he's sort of driving his value downwards. Now it's funny because on the other side of all of this, I think teams are looking at the free agent class, like who else is there? And that's sort of bringing the value back up. And, One worry I do have is that this front office has Melton. You know, GMs love having their guys. That's why if a new front office is hired, if a coach was there before the front office was hired, usually there's a time limit on how long that coach is going to be there because front offices want their guys. Melton is one of this front office's guys. Um, So I think we could see a scenario where he might end up getting over 10 uh, I agree with both of you in the sense that I don't want to pay D'Anthony Melton that much money. And honestly, it's not necessarily because I don't think he could be worth that one day. It's more so the opportunity cost. I think there's other players this year that we could fill in that slot. And I would rather spend $14 million on a player um, that's better than Melton and fits us better even though it's more expensive than signing melton to a cheaper deal than that because
2: of the long-term implications and i have a player in mind question with the role that melton played what do you want him to achieve uh
0: i want i would want melton to be a um a backup too, but it's funny because I would rather I would rather play Grayson Allen at this point than Melton. Why? I would rather because of the um, because of the lack of shooting uh, that Melton brings to the table. Uh, he makes up for it in other areas like defense, but there's also a size issue. And I think that at the end of the day, Brantley, like you were saying we should have our eyes on the playoffs and can you play him in a playoff series like can he be successful if the answer is no then i'm not interested in having him on our team yeah
2: especially paying that type of money for him so exactly going to the shooting stuff and Ty you can jump in here in a second but um what would you say is a good shooting percentage from the three point line that you would want someone to achieve in the playoffs in this backup scenario
0: uh, between thirty-five and forty, okay. would be preferred.
2: DeAnthony went three for twenty-three in the bubble, right? From three, right? That's thirteen percent,
0: right? And I, I really don't like. I think the um, I value the I value the improvements in the bubble more than I put value on the struggles, and I think that, um, like. That's fair. like the confidence that was built in Grayson I think is going to end up long term being more important than like sort of a, a dry spell for Melton and at the same time it's to me very similar to our Dylan Brooks conversation where you can't ask me what I think about Dylan Brooks until you tell me how much you're paying for him. Yeah. So like Melt D'Anthony Melton with his struggles in the bubble I could swallow them because he's making $1.4 million, and that's what we were asking him to do wasn't necessarily what he's good at. But if you're telling me to pay him $11 million, then I am going to expect something out of him every single game because that's how much we're paying. That's like a low-level starter like money. So like, bring something to the table and don't be our eighth man. So anyway, I think we're sort of aligned on melton here i mean i'm not head over heels but there's definitely a number where i it would be smart
1: yeah i really like him i think he brings a lot like i was in love with him from like january on because he did a lot same we all were right doing awesome mr Mr. do something
2: do something yeah but regular season
1: yes and i'm with will in the fact that value has everything to do with it to me like if we were paying him 15 million dollars a year and he had the exact same season he just had i would be like what are we doing right but by the fact that we got like phoenix gave him to us on a silver platter we we received two second round pits we were paid to take him take him so that had that's like context right like context matters the fact that hollinger has him the top ranked shooting guard is nuts to me As a Grizzlies fan, if you were to tell me who would you rather have, Hammer Bogdanovich, I would like
0: laugh about
1: Donovich in, in a heartbeat. Yeah, like he provides a that skill. seems like a
2: formula error to me. Like his V lookup is messed up or something. <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe. that's what there were people
0: roasting it. Uh, it I just terrible. can't believe it. Like but he, I get he was clear that this is not indicative of open market value, but.
1: Yeah, I get Melton's value and I think that he would be a very, very productive player at the mid-level. I think he would be a solid, solid right. player. Right. Um, mid-level exception guys usually are your 6th, 7th, 8th men off the bench, play a very specific role and do it really well. You can count on them to do what they do well. And, that's and Tyus it. Jones and Kyle Anderson. Those are two prime examples of mid-level guys. Right. Fifteen million a year. That's as like Brantley said earlier. That's a starter level money. Yes. that's more than Justice gets. That that would be the highest paid starter on our roster right now. If he got more than fifteen million a year, right, right, he's not worth that. Like I'm right. sorry, he's just not. He's a good player and I like him a lot, but he's there's a limit and you can't just throw away all of that because like. You have space right now. That's my thing. Like don't you don't have to use all of it. It's not a rule to exactly. you have to use all of it. Exactly. And we should be I think we should be smart with it. And I think we will. Right. And I honestly I think we're gonna keep him. I think we're gonna sign him till like right at the mid level and it's gonna be great. I don't think a lot of teams are gonna be like, Man, he the teams that would really want him would probably be your contenders to come off the bench and play a specific role. And they don't have space. So they can't do anything about it anyway. So I think we're going to retain him, and I think it's going to be for a fair amount, and I'm excited about that. But I don't want to like, overpay for the guy by any means, especially four-year contract. Like I do it, not want that.
2: He listed Melton over Oladipo and Danny Green and J.J. Reddick and Lou
1: Williams. Yeah. I mean, that's probably age with those guys, mm-hmm. but still. like what, The Bogdanovich the, thing what? is crazy to me. What?
2: That Bogdanovich nuts. I would love. That's nuts.
0: It is. It it was certainly a uh, coming from the guy who signed Chandler Parsons.
1: So yeah. <laughs> a grain of salt here.
0: All right, let's talk real quick the free agency and trades.
1: We'll take it away. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I've been stewing on a couple. He wouldn't tell us anything before the pod. He just kept saying save it for the pod. Save it for the pod. All right. So here we are. We're on here. the pod.
0: I mentioned this earlier. How, in the DeAnthony Melton conversation, I didn't love signing him to potentially like over ten million dollars because of the opportunity cost. Um, there's a player that is uh, f- going to be familiar.
1: I want to guess. Grizzlies Just fans. Describe and let me guess.
0: He is a free agent this off season.
1: Doesn't help much, but there's
0: not a lot of buzz <laughs> around this player. You haven't heard him in a lot of uh of the popular, you know, Familiar rumor mills. Rumors. Um mostly because this guy uh, this will be this'll be interesting, uh, if you can guess. Uh he is presumed to just go back to the team that he is on. Um and nobody thinks otherwise. And there's a number that has been floated out for him um, that people just think he's gonna accept and that's gonna be it because everybody's gonna be happy. Um, any guesses?
2: Giannis Hunter a Kumbo. I'm
1: trying to think of Grizz connection. So he's played for the Grizzlies before?
0: No, he, Derek Rose. He has played for the Grizzlies before. Mm. It's not Derrick Rose. He would fulfill Kyle Lowry. Not Kyle Lowry.
2: <laughs> I'm just naming all the people <laughs> on this list. Sorry.
0: Any more guesses or Can would you, give you give like me a to position?
1: hear? Um he's a wing. Oh gosh. Uh man. Um Goodrich. We already got goob man. The only thing that came to mind. I am not I really don't know.
0: All right. I would spend twelve million a year on Jay Crowder. Oh, Jay. I Jay Crowder is a free agent. He has there's been a report out there that he wants to just go back to Miami, run it back, but the number that's been thrown out for him around Miami is above the mid level, but below like it's been like between ten and twelve. And I'm like Jay Crowder was valuable enough to us last year. He's familiar with the organization. He would be the veteran presence. He's a three and D guy you can rely on. And to me, I'd rather have Jay Crowder at $13 a year than DeAnthony Melton at nine.
2: Who says no? Not Brantley Davidson. I love me some Jay Crowder. I might say no.
0: Bring Jay Crowder back. Why, why not?
1: I don't know. I think he. I think he did his time. And I think he filled his role, and I think he's moved on from the Grizz. I think it's really hard for a player who basically we traded. I know that was like in good faith, and everything ended smoothly, but he literally just went to the finals, and I think it'd be really tough for him to be like, "Hey, let's fight for the eight seed." I just think that situation would be so tough.
0: Ultimately, he's a he's an unrestricted free agent, so he's going to have his decision. He. My will, thing yes. is, let's throw him like more in terms of finances in a team that he has admittedly loved to be on. Yeah. And yes, like it's not going to be the same level of expectation as a Miami. And he could very well choose to come back to Miami for a discount, but like money talks. And I think that you could actually give him an offer. That's a lot makes him pause. And like, I think that that's a guy that like nobody's two year,
1: about. $24 million deal or something like that. Yeah. I wouldn't be again like I wouldn't I'd be mad to if it happened. I'd go up to thirty to your thirty million. I think I would go. I think I would not do that.
0: I, he's Justice Winslow insurance. Cause we're gonna too. have
1: we're gonna have a lot of space in twenty twenty one. Not to say that we would get anyone, but we will have all the space. And I don't want to compromise that flexibility moving forward. So I would probably say no. Nah, I love Jay. I love that he was on our team for that short term, and I
2: think I'm. Um,
1: Sent. S- okay,
2: that's fair. Brantley, you're in. Y'all know, y'all know my Crowder take. I think that his impact on the court and in the franchise is not. It, it was different. Him and Hill's – I would give me Solomon Hill back too. Yeah. Both right. of them. Give me Solomon of that, board. that man. Give me him on the vet, minimum. I love how, how you're board. talking with your microphone in your. Sorry.
0: Line. All right, I got another one.
2: I, I'm, can I just say for a second, I'm so happy that you would take Jay Crowder back. I would. Love I love Jay that Crowder. guy. Like, Me too. He was. I was never frustrated when he was spotting up and shooting. Never. On never. the record, I would never frustrated. I would love to start him at the
0: two, like John Morant, Jay Crowder, Justice Winslow, All Jaren damn. Jackson, and JV.
2: Love that guy. All Jay. The next one. Let's All right. The next,
0: one. The next guy. Gets me excited. He is a guy who has um, been on bad teams before, mm-hmm. buddy. Not a free agent. No, no, no. We're not to trades yet. This is this is just free agent. This is actually the only the second guy that I had, in, second and final. Joe. It's he another hadn't even J. described him yet. It's another J name. It's got to be Joe. It's not Joe. I'm not looking to overpay anybody. I'm looking at a very very particular price range, and I'm looking for it's the same need that we have. J.J. As, Reddick. No, he's still under contract. Is he? Uh, he's a restrictive. He, that's why they're talking about trading him and Drew. Together? No, but they're they're both trying to Brooklyn. get. Yeah, exactly. I'll put it right, into that. All right, this is a microwave guy because – Let's be honest. The one thing that Grizzlies have never oh, had is, this is a scorer. Is. I'm so down on it. We talked about this, but I'm so down on it. Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> no. Jordan Clarkson. Listen. No. This is a very specific role. Okay. Very specific. He, if you watch any of the Utah series, he was instrumental in the playoffs for them, even extending that to seven games. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell was incredible, but Bojan Bogdanovic arguably their second best player was out. They had to replace the scoring. Who was going to come in and do that? Jordan Clarkson. No, he is not the most efficient guy. He if he's starting, the Lakers teams for years that were horrible, like he was the starting two guard on those Lakers teams and he they has were size. Horrible.
1: You just said they were horrible
0: because he was in a role that was just completely wrong. He is a 6th 7th man who can come up out of the gate and light it up. He is a Lou Williams on a discount.
1: Dude, that that move is like title contender move. Jordan Clarkson is like the perfect 6th 7th man on like a title contender. Right, but title He's contenders not are not ideal. going to pay
0: him what we can pay him.
1: Yeah, but we don't need him to like I would pay Jordan Clarkson
0: seven million a year.
1: I just don't want that guy on our team. I think he's going to go
0: for four in any other situation. I'd pay him
1: seven I because just, of the need. I don't want a march. I don't want a guy who plays sixteen minutes and shoots eighteen times a game. I don't want that guy on our team right I now. I
0: don't mind if one night out of every three he can put up twenty five. Yeah,
1: the bench. but also one two nights in the other three.
2: The other you pull, two nights we have he goes that three Dylan Brooks 18. anyway,
0: who's starting for us.
2: Exactly. We don't can, need another one. Can we discuss this scenario he's, he's, being he's, the option if Dylan gets traded?
0: No, I would say if we if we need somebody, I would rather have Jordan Clarkson. Well, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. I was going to say instead of DeAnthony, but it all comes down to okay, what that's, we pay him. We can't. We do not.
2: I, I the principle of not taking shots from our young, uh, you know, next-gen and important scenarios is what well, I think we need to protect against. If and we were, already have one who will.
1: If we were having this discussion in six years when we were, like, just got off from the playoffs and we made, like, the Western semis and, like, who can we add to, like, push us over the top on the bench, makes a ton of sense.
2: And he's 41.
1: Right now, it does not – yeah. <laughs> that kind of guy, not him specifically – But that kind of guy makes a lot more sense at that stage. Right now, to me, it does not make sense. Uh, uh, Okay, so 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 It it is an interesting.
2: I I think your monetary value is a little high. Brantley seven Seven is up. Seven is a little high. But it's like up on anything. I'm just like having a discussion here on a microphone. It's
0: like to me, it would be uh, three years, twenty one million with a team option in the third year.
2: I don't three years. I don't think so.
0: Team option though. It's only two. He's expiring next year at that sweet spot number that you need to get deals
2: done. So like the biggest thing that we're, that this is moving into all these discussions to me are very hard to have without consideration of what do you think is achievable in the next couple of years from a win projection perspective. So Fun I'm topic. not, I'm not going to get here yet or maybe we should as we talk about this, but like, Last year, the over-under for the Grizzlies was twenty-seven and a half.
1: Twenty-six and a half.
2: Okay, so we we're both looking at different odds makers. Oh, because I have yeah. one.
1: Let's just call it a smooth 27.
2: I'm looking at twenty-seven and a half. okay? The Hawks last year were like 28 and a half. The Kings were 33 and a half. So, this upcoming year for the Grizzlies... We're going to make our predictions here in a second for what we think. I'm sorry. The Kings last year on this website, FanDuel.com, I don't know if you've heard of it. They're a sponsor of ours. <laughs> we use them for our fantasy apps. They're really awesome. The Kings last year's over-under was 37 and a half. So, we'll have to prorate <clears throat> it for
0: 72, though, too. So that's going to be weird. But we'll yeah. Whatever. We'll pr- we'll prorate yeah, yeah. it.
2: Thanks, math. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. But it's like, do you go after a guy like Clarkson if next year is a – if like uh, – you're never going to tell your players this, but as a franchise you have to know like what are the odds that the Grizzlies make the playoffs next year? Well,
0: I still like – That's okay.
2: Are we better than the Suns next year? Uh,
1: yeah, I think so.
2: What? No. Are we better than the Kings next year? Maybe, yes. are Or better than the Mavs? No. no. Are, are we be better than, who am I missing, Ooh, Blazers? Is, wait, wait, this no. is
0: a good conversation for uh, something coming up here in a minute. Okay. Can we do some trades and then we can talk about that? Yeah, let's trade sure. it. Sure. All right. I have two freaking blockbusters.
1: Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Are you ready for this? Yes. I can't wait to push back
2: and then accept it. All right. I hope you like fall in love.
1: I'm going to be so excited and then push back.
2: By the way, Ty <laughs> is wearing our, um, the Grisden official all-heart right, T-shirt. Uh, if you have not seen it, go to Grisden.com. It's got Jaron Jackson celebrating Jaws' uh, attempted dunk in the All-Star Game this past year. Some have said it is our most underrated amazing shirt. It's definitely my favorite. It's mine so good. too. It's so good. It is really pimp. So you can go to Grisden.com and buy it. Uh, and it will ship to your door in less than 48 hours. Thanks to our partners at com.
1: This ad brought to you by grindcity.com. No, grindcity.com? Nope. Is that nothing? <laughs> well, to you, Ty. Need, uh, Ty, you need to really work, work on your sponsor. <laughs> <shirt>. No, <laughs> what's the GrindCity City that. shirts? Grind City Designs. Design <laughs> I forgot design, sorry.
0: Grindcity.com Killed might it. take you to a site that uh <laughs> we're not really sure where Open that it. incognito yeah. window first. Don't I'm not really sure it. what that is. Just it. go to grind.com. All right. All right, here we go. To me, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, Grizzlies are in a situation, uh, market-wise, where trades are our best way to either accumulate assets or acquire players that are part of our long-term future. This first trade is uh, of the latter sort. So this trade is with the Sacramento Kings,
2: (laughs) the Grizzlies.
0: (laughs) The Grizzlies would send the expiring contract of Gory Jang and the ever-so valuable uh, contract slash uh, player that is Dylan Brooks. Um, You never find the combination of shooting and defense in a guy like Dylan Brooks.
1: Not to mention confidence.
0: In return for a very malcontent Buddy healed, who can come in and you can slot him right into the culture of Grizz Next Gen um, with, some would say, a poor contract at four years, $84 million, that starts this year. In addition to Rashawn Holmes... Who's making five million dollars? He's also an expiring big fan of him to replace your backup center role, as well as a 2020 and 2021 second round pick. So we two, would receive that. Oh yeah, we are taking back a mammoth of a deal that in will Buddy never healed. I disagree. I think the Kings are going to have to pay somebody to take Buddy healed, but Dylan Brooks also is a plus asset. He's a guy who they're going to, if they trade Buddy Heald, it probably means that they're going to re-sign uh, Bogdanovich, and they're going to need another wing who can come off the bench like Buddy Heald was. And I think Dylan Brooks is a guy you can replace, or some teams can replace,
2: Buddy Healed with. Who says no? I mean, if I'm the Grizzlies, the I, I don't say, say no. no. Yeah, the Kings, I feel like. you're. Okay, g- what's the, the
1: kicker, the picks? Yeah, two second-round picks. Absolutely, I feel like we would have to give them picks to take that on. I disagree.
2: Okay, so let me ask. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this question: mm-hmm. Are there other teams that you think have the ability to make this trade? Yes, that make more sense than us. Yes, meaning because Buddy Philly. like is a win now type player. So all the six teams that we listed to start, there's only like two of them maybe that really have the ability to maybe make that trade if I'm just thinking off the top of my head. they're Like the Warriors could make that trade, right? If they wanted to have somebody like Buddy. They've got some assets that no, they but, could expend.
0: Yeah, but like they're so deep in the tax that it does not make sense to add a long-term deal like Buddy yields. It makes way more sense to add a short-term uh, guy That's fair. Okay. that can, if you're going to pay the tax, you might as well have it not be for three years. If you're going to pay it, pay it one year and get a guy that's better than Buddy Heald.
1: Man, I just find it hard to believe that Sacramento would dem- would also send us picks the, the in reason, this scenario.
0: But you have to remember, too, they have a brand new front office. The deal that was signed for Buddy Heald was prior to this front office. That is a negative value. Like, they will have to pay. In some form or fashion. If they're going to attach another player that's more valuable than Holmes, sure. But it's either they're going to have to find... Like, to me, Dylan Brooks is a young player on a very reasonable deal that can replace a lot of what Buddy Hill brings to the table. Maybe he's a B-plus if Buddy Hill is an A-minus, but...
2: And that's a really good sales tack that you just put on for Dylan Brooks right there. I, think I, I appreciate your I mean, confidence.
0: Everybody that's writing about Dylan Brooks is uh, agrees like he's we don't see Dylan Brooks the same way that I think a lot of teams do.
1: I think cuz of cuz the contract too.
0: Oh yeah. So for if sure. you
1: would yeah, I think Betty, Buddy Hills a much better player but at $24 million moving forward versus 11. That's a huge difference. But Man, I would I love the idea of Buddy being a Grizz. Um I think it would be tough. Yeah, I think we would have to give up a pick potentially to get him. Um just because of his value around the league I think is still really high. I think he provides an asset that a lot of people have to have to be good, which is shooting. I think he shot forty percent from three every year he's been in the league. Um, which is crazy impressive. He also averaged almost 19 points a game last year, primarily coming off the bench, which is also crazy impressive. Um, I think he holds a lot of value. And I think his contract, it, so it goes 24 million, 22 million, 20 and 18. So it's descending. It ends in 23, 24. Um, so Dylan's would potentially end a year earlier and they would get rid of Gorgie. I get that. So a thought I had is, what if they threw us Jabari Parker, who they may potentially not want anymore? They picked him up off Atlanta this past year, and he expires in twenty twenty one at six million, six and a half million, instead of the, Rashawn Holmes at five million. I could see because I could see Rashawn Holmes wanting this, or they wanting him. But regardless, I just think that we well, would yeah, have we to would send then back a pick. pick up a backup center off the scrap heap. Yeah. So I think. The deal that you just mentioned, I think instead of us sending them two or them sending us two second rounds, I could see us sending them two second round picks.
2: So, what do you think? I don't think so. What do you think? That's fair. Let's let's flip the let's let's be a Kings podcast for a second. If we're a Kings podcast, why do we do this trade?
0: We do this trade because you are going to uh, your flexibility as a franchise is going to be considerably increased you're also going to get a guy who is if if a guy was on the grizzlies i don't know if jonas valanciunas started to openly say that he did not want to be on this team like that's a concern and we're like as a a fan of the team would probably not want that in our locker room and so i think that it matters and i also think that you're at a point where um, I mean, if you're looking long-term too, you don't know what the cap situation is going to be. And a guy like Buddy Heald just making that much money, you'd much rather have a guy who you could talk yourself into, like Dylan Brooks, with the right coaching in the right role, could be a half-price Buddy Heald.
1: Yeah, so I think if you look at, so this is from a Kings perspective like you just talked about. So Buddy's coming off the bench for them. So their starting two guard is Bogdan Bogdanovich, which we just we talked about him earlier. So he's up for basically a new contract this summer, and he'll get it. I don't know what he'll get, but he'll get a good contract. The Kings apparently really want to hold on to him, and he started as their two. It's tough to swallow an average of $20 million for the next four years as a backup shooting guard, where you could take a Dylan Brooks, who basically would play the same role, but for half the money. So I get that for sure. It's not necessarily like what the Kings would want. I think we would get outbid for Buddy is what I'm coming at. Like I think we would I think Buddy would require more than what will offered initially. And I think there are teams out there that look at Buddy and say this guy could be either a great starter on a team surrounded by good players or a really really solid off the bench guy. And I think they could potentially offer more than an expiring and a guy similar value, just better value, and then like rece- like sending out pick. I think we would have to give a pick to have a chance at him is what I'm saying. I'm well, not saying that like Sacramento wouldn't want to give him up because I right. think they would because they're overpaying a, a backup shooting guard right now.
0: Yeah, I think I the, get the negotiations that point, start at where they are and I think maybe they take the picks off the table. And there is a chance that they could swap out homes for Parker, and if it got down to Healed and Parker straight up for Jang and Brooks, I would would be
1: thinking about it a little bit longer. But might I could still see do more it. of that. Yeah, I could see like that working because basically they get off Buddy's long, big contract. Gorgie expires. And they have a, a good, like, similar type player, not as productive. Dylan's not as good as Buddy Heald, but he's half the price. So that right. allows them a little bit more flexibility moving forward. But I could see us having to throw in, like, almost a future first, like one of the Golden State or Utah first-round picks to make the deal work. But maybe I'm overvaluing that, Buddy. I don't really know. I don't know what Buddy's value is around the league. I don't think league, you're so.
0: overvaluing Buddy. I think you're undervaluing the, the
1: terribleness of the contract.
2: Maybe so. Yeah. I don't know. He'll be on a contender next year. That's my thought. I think a, yeah. I think Philly I
1: think. is going to make a run at him and probably get him somehow. Daryl Morey's going to do something fantastic. Speaking of him. Daryl Morey, Josh Richardson, give him to me.
0: Are you buckled <laughs> in? <laughs> the Grizzlies call up Philadelphia, and they say, Daryl, Listen, big D, you have a problem in Philadelphia right now. And the problem is you've paid two players in particular way too much money for way too many years. I already know what you're going to
1: say, and I don't want Tobias Harris. I don't want him. Ty, man, that was terrible. Ty listen to the <laughs> damn deal.
0: <laughs> Daryl. We're gonna send you yes, Gorgie Jane's, Jane's expiring contract. We're gonna send you this up and comer that we just got on a bargain named Dylan Brooks, and we're gonna send you the, I, center, the analytics of my guy suck. The centerpiece of this deal, Marco Guterich, hey, yo. for contract uh, matching purposes. In return for the absolute just. Dumpster fire of a contract of Tobias Harris, along with Matisse Teibel, and a 2020 first round pick. Who says no?
1: The Sixers in a heartbeat. What? <laughs> Dude, to buy, Matisse Thybul is like a part of their long. Like, they are going to obsess over him. He's on his rookie contract for they, four more years. Okay. They are not
0: about the future, though. They are about winning right
1: now. And how does what we just did help them win right now?
0: It completely frees them up to actually go after someone they want. Maybe. Like, they do not want... How does that
1: benefit the Grizz?
0: How does that benefit the Grizz? Well, we get a young stud in Tybalt. We get a chance at their 21st pick of this year's draft. So we're adding two more guys to our young core. Tobias Harris is the price you pay for doing business. You get rid of Dylan Brooks. You potentially draft some guy, or Tobias Harris, you slot in to that spot. He can at least, like, there's a reason he was even, like, in that situation to get that contract, whether you like him or not. He's not going to necessarily be, like, at this point, he's a bad contract, and we are in asset accumulation mode. And I think that the two assets we get in addition to his contract can uh, justify. In 2023,
1: 2024, do you, I understand. Know what,
0: you know what he's owed? I do. I do. And we're going to be—
1: $41 million. We're going
0: to be— Who knows what the cap is going to be at that point, though? Who knows what the cap is going to be? I'll repeat—
1: 41 I understand but why
0: then at that point why would the sixers ever say no to a deal like that okay you're making my point
2: yeah I, the, the grizzlies should not do that trade there's no Thank way you. okay I, I just wanted to throw it out there I think like, it's I think it's a fun consideration.
1: Um they wouldn't give up Tybal first of all and they probably wouldn't give up like a fir- they wouldn't send us a first round pick.
0: You're That's... not getting off that contract unless you attach something like Tybal.
2: But I thought I don't but, think but they'll is, do it now. He's not really that worth it. Who? Tybal. He's he's good. But I mean, I'm pretty sure that we all would have a better shooting percentage than him from the 3 anytime. That just crushes you in the future. Like I in the
1: years that we were supposed to, like, really make moves, like 2022, 2023, then 2023, 2024, like, that's, our, that's when we, like, start making moves. Okay. No, like no, Like, that's no. when things I, start really happening. And it then, it oh, is wait, a we really fun consideration. we owe Tobias Harris $40 million. Okay,
0: no, no, no. I totally agree. I don't, like. We can't, hamstr- I, we can't hamstring hamstrung us. I think that in Philadelphia that. We with Warford and Harris have completely screwed themselves. Like I don't think any team, unless you're literally probably sending at least another first-round pick and something like, I don't know. They're, I, they're just going to have to do something insane to get rid of that. But I do think that the Grizzlies, they're in a bright spot right now. Like The future is bright. However, I do think that they're still in asset accumulation mode. It's just the the thing is, is, like, the bad contracts, quote-unquote, that are out there are absolutely, like, terrible. Yeah. Buddy Heal, to me, is the bad contract that is right in between.
1: He's obtainable. Right. Yeah. I, I get that from both sides. I get right. Sacramento trying to get off that big deal and find a player of, similar, mm-hmm. so of a similar role, just way less money. I get that 100%. And I think that makes sense, but I I think Buddy still holds a lot of value. Going back to our previous conversation, I think we'd have to give up more, whether that's a pick or something else moving forward. Tobias Harris, I don't think the Grizzlies would do that because I don't think we would look at that contract and be like, yeah, we'll take that on to get Tybal in the 27th pick and apparently, or whatever that pick is, in the worst draft in a decade. I don't think that would happen. I think we would
0: have, have to ask for another first and at least one more good player. And
1: I don't think the Sixers would do that. Right. At all. I don't think that, yeah. I think the Sixers, they when they make a move, they're trying to make
2: a big move. They 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 might get rid of him. And, I mean, uh, uh, Daryl's been willing to get rid of Pittsburgh. But they would
1: use his contract in a deal to, like, somehow work to get Harden. Not That's like not going to happen, Brooks.
2: Though. But they're not going to do it for Dylan Brooks. They're just not. Well, they're going to be willing to do it they, to they set would. up to go after Harden.
1: But they would need them. They would need a contract. Well, they to have match Horford that. too. That's they true. They have
2: another big. They have they have lots of. But big then contracts. they would
1: also need incentives to trade Horford. Like a team taking on Horford, Horford's going to say like, "Well, I'm taking." We'll on give this you Horford contract. and
2: Embiid for Harden and some other. T- I, I don't, don't know, think throwing. they're going to be
0: able to put two of their thirty million dollar contracts in one deal. I'm well, just if they
1: do, they're going to have to give a ton of assets out, kind of like the right. Westbrook thing. They're, like, OKC had to give Houston two first round or no, sorry. Houston had to give two first round picks to receive Harden, which was awful.
0: You mean to receive Westbrook? Yeah, sorry, to yeah. receive Westbrook. Right. Like to that's, get off of Chris Paul. Okay,
1: or Philadelphia is going to have to give up assets to move off these contracts. And I think that's going to be really tough to do, especially for a player like Dylan Brooks. If you're going like star for star, I get it. But that's not a star for star. I just move. think
0: that. Tobias Harris is either a sunk cost or you salvage what you can and Dylan Brooks to me is like the salvage value of a contract that, that that's that bad like
1: Maybe so.
0: that's still a young asset that replaces the shooting of Tobias Harris, who admittedly like he is not he's he and Dylan Brooks probably shot the same sort of efficiency like which is sad, but the I
2: principle think, though is an interesting consideration because to me it's saying, who do you, where do you take advantage of your flexibility to get on? What is, what is the future asset value that makes you say I'm willing to pay for that future asset value? Tybal is not enough for me. Right. So, cause so I get your point though. It's like, we're giving up just contracts, taking on another big one for the future because we're willing to think that Tyball could develop into something like a true three and D lockdown player, but also hit a three. Like, and I just I just feel like he's. I mean, he could. I love Tony Allen, but he just feels like he's kind of another one of those type of players right. where he's never going to really develop an offensive game.
0: No, that's fair. Um, it's it's just
2: interesting. Uh, but I'm sure. with you. That's a that's yeah. a fun thing that. The, the point is, is that the Grizzlies are in position to think about these types of things where there are a lot of franchises that aren't. And right. so there could be things that pop up this way where we're able to entertain them and you're going to see rumors of them and you're going to see, you're likely going to see something happen, I think, because that's why Gorgie was attained in the first place. Right, exactly. Is to be able to leverage him to take on future con- future salaries to receive something to so be able to match a salary, yeah, that's right.
1: a bigger salary. I think that's also rounding this conversation. I guess I think that could be a benefit to signing D'Anthony at a good deal. Good deal meaning like around ten million. We have that mid-level kind of middling contract that a lot of teams don't have that we could potentially treat as an asset. But I think that I think you get in trouble if you pay them too much because you're like we talked about earlier. You're very limited into what you can do at that point. Mm-hmm. because the Grizzlies are never going to pay over the tax, at least not as, at this time. If we are like making a tighter run, maybe Para throws the ball. I don't know. But we need to keep flexibility so this stuff can happen because in the Grizzlies organization, a smaller market team in Memphis, you've got to be willing to work the edges to make things happen. You can't just try to go make a big splash and expect things to go your way because it never has. So we have to be open to doing little things on the margins to make us crazy competitive or work through the draft. Those are the two options we have. Right. All right, so what we're going to
0: do to end here, this is already a megapod, so um, I hope you're enjoying it, though, because this is super fun to talk through. Um, So I compiled – there was an article that came out in The Athletic. It was written by Seth Partno, and it basically ranked – the top 125 players in the NBA for next season, um, and it did so in a way that divided them into five tiers. And within each tier, you have like an A group, a B group, sometimes a C group. So what I did is I took, I took these, uh, this list, and I um, compiled to where I took the how many players per team are in uh, this top 125 and then I prescribed values to if you're in like one the t- tier 1a, you get 10 points. if you're in uh, tier 1 B you get nine all down the line because his lowest tier was 5a so that goes from 10 down to 1. And so what I did then was I took like for instance if uh, the clippers, are uh one of the obviously one of the teams that are in this list they have a certain number of players in the top 125 also i took the average of those values that i assigned to each player i added those together and i got like a total score and then i ranked like from top to bottom the highest score to the lowest score and i think it's an interesting way to predict according to just simply like what is you, what are your guys on your roster, and what does that add up to for next season as like your potential rank? And so what I want to do um, is when Ty comes back in here in just a second is go through these and uh, from top to bottom. And there he is. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna as I'm gonna I'm gonna give you like the highest number of guys in this list to the lowest number and like the range. So you can get an idea. And then I'm going to give you like the averages for those values. So the highest number that a team had, and there's tied for first of guys in the top 125 or six. So one, there are seven teams with six guys in the top 125, And those averages are, you know, range from high to low. So for the top team after this, when you add the number of guys plus the average are the Clippers with a score of 9.83. The second place team, Boston Celtics, 9.67. Third place is where it gets a little weird. Um, And, If you go down the line after third place, I think it makes a little bit more sense, but I think it's just by virtue of the number of guys that are in this list. Houston is third. So that's a little wonky. But then after that, you go Brooklyn, Lakers, Bucks, Heat, Jazz, Warriors, Raptors, Sixers, Nuggets, Mavericks, Thunder, Pelicans, Pacers, Trailblazers, Suns, Wizards, Grizzlies. Wizards is another weird one, but I guess they're. We'll go look at those and see. But then Spurs, Magic, Pistons, Timberwolves, Hawks, Kings, and the bottom four, Bulls, Cavs, Hornets, Knicks. So it's not crazy, like far off from what you could expect. However, in this scenario, the Memphis Grizzlies are projected to be tied for 19th in the league, which is not crazy. Like, I could see them being, like, right on the edge there, but then they would be 12th in the West, um, which to me speaks more so to the strength of the West because the, guy, the, the team next to them are the Wizards who, like, are tied for that 19th spot and are the 8th East team down that far. So the guys, and just to give you like and y'all like feel free to like ask anything about this that you want as far as like who's in it per team, but like the Memphis guys that they have in here. Yes. Ja, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Ja, Jaron, Jonas, is it? Where's one more? They have four.
1: In the top one twenty five? Mm-hmm. Oh uh, probably D Anthony. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Yes.
0: Really Randy Clark. So let's go. The tier system, it's really interesting because you know, they have um, – John Morant is 3B um, in this, and I'm going to –
2: So, who's he ahead from a point guard perspective? So,
0: this is interesting. Sorry, no, he's 3C. He's 3C. He is in the same tier as Clay Thompson, Russell Westbrook, Zion Williamson, Jalen Brown, Chris Stapps-Porzingis, and Trey Young for next year. And then in the – um, Tier 3B, you have Kyrie, Siakam, Jerry, Draymond Green, Donovan Mitchell, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker.
2: So he's one slot behind those mm-hmm. guys?
0: And then 3A, you have Chris Middleton, Carl Anthony Towns, Kimball Walker, Kyle Lowry, Drew Holiday, Jamal Murray, Ben Simmons, and Bam Adebayo. And then you have some of the stars that. So Jaw's the-
1: our highest ranked player.
0: Yes. Okay. Um, is this like value, as well, or just There's a strictly like talent? No, it's it's like basically a lot of it is geared towards uh like win contribution. Okay,
1: so talent essentially. Yep. On the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, is Jaron our second ranked player?
0: Yes, he's in tier four B. Okay. Can you? Can you say what tier he's yes. in? he is in there with uh, Karis Levert, Eric Bledsoe, D'Angelo Russell, Bojan Bogdanovic, J.J. Redick, Joe Harris, John Collins, Lou Williams, Mike Conley, Montres Harrell, Miles Turner, OG Ananobi, Otto Porter, Pat Bev, Ricky Rubio, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Zach Levine.
1: He's the youngest by like five years.
0: Yes. And then 5A is basically like your rotation guys, and there's a bunch of them in there, which is where BC and Jonas are. Like solid starter level rotation. So what
1: sticks out to me is the two guys that are technically our best players are 21 years old. John Morant being in that high,
0: being so young is insane.
2: Insane. Can we also say that Zion being there is bullshit? Can we
1: also say Trey Young? I get Trey Young's know. individual stats are awesome, but I could hate, you tell me that the my Grizzlies roster the is league. better Over than
2: Harden?
0: Yeah, I hate Trey Young. I because just think I winning matters, Jam- like James Harden has actually like gotten somewhere, even though he stinks when he gets to the highest level. But he's gotten to the <laughs> highest level to even like prove that he stinks. Trey Young is not the answer. I would hate if he was my player of the future. Like.
2: That really stinks. I think I'd rather have him over Luka.
1: <laughs> totally.
0: So, Houston was the one that I mentioned that was, like, questionable. Uh,
2: Will, by the way, for you folks listening at home, did not even acknowledge that no. I said that.
0: <laughs> I don't acknowledge absurdity.
2: Um, James Harden
0: one, being 1A. One like, the 1A players are Giannis, Harden, Leonard, and LeBron. Those are the four. 1B, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. Where's AD? AD is 2A with Doncic and Jokic. Uh, 2B is Lillard, Butler, and Embiid, which that trio is so intriguing to me because it's like, which one do you want? Yeah. Like, the Butler, Lillard, and Embiid debate is crazy. Um. Two C is Chris Paul, Tatum, Paul George, and Rudy Gobert. And then three A is what we already went through. So it's interesting. I mean, this is one guy's opinion, and he's projecting out this year. So he
1: has Ja roughly top thirty in the league, then. You just named like twenty guys ahead of him. He know, is I he is the, there are
0: thirty guys ahead of his tier. So, he's in the next group after okay. the top 30. It's top 40 in yes. the league right now.
1: Mm-hmm. That's nuts.
0: Yep. All right. It's an interesting little deal, but then we can end. Let's talk over-unders, and then we'll wrap it up. 72-game season.
1: We don't know that for sure.
0: We, but it has not been confirmed-confirmed. It has been just like 90- 90% confirmed.
2: Uh, for those listening at home, what is the normal game season?
0: 82.
1: So.
2: So 10 games less. I so,
1: mean. 72 game season. 500 is 36 and 36 if my math. It's also going to be. Me really correctly. tough because.
0: I. They're talking about. I know we shouldn't like think too hard about this because I don't want to get like away from the spirit of the question but they are going to be like putting a premium I think on like interdivisional like games I think you're going to see way more of those than anything else mm-hmm. we might play the pelicans the mavericks the spurs the rockets way more than any other team
1: We'll probably play them four times each, and then maybe the East team, like, every other or something like that. Yeah, something well, we, I think there. we
0: play them four times anyway. We might play them five, I wow. can see. that'd be nuts. Um, so, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's definitely going to be a little bit higher than last year's, because last year's, I think we were the third lowest or something. We were, but I think that, I mean, I could see
1: it. I could see it being the same with a 72-game season. I, that's true. I could true. see it being twenty-seven and a half, twenty-seven, twenty-six and a half 27, for sure. I think if we win 30 games, I think it's like a hell of a season. I'll yeah. say that. If it's a 72-game season. I think if we win 30, I would be proud of that.
2: Disappointed, but also kind of proud. We were the same as the Knicks last year. Uh, Charlotte. And hmm. who's the other one that has had Cleveland? Were the two teams below us. So
0: I'm betting the under of whatever Cleveland is, but that's
2: Cleveland was 24 and a half last year.
1: So Brantley, 72 game season. What's the over under? What do you think?
2: I sort of think that it's going to be set right around 26 or 27. Me too. Yep. I think, I think 28 Would is high. Would you be taking the 26 over is probably where scenario? It is.
1: No. I think we win right at like 28 games. I think it... 26 to 28 games is where I could see us falling. And then we get a top six pick and draft the future all-star shooting guard that we've always wanted. This is going to be awesome. So, Do you
0: want to... What do you want to happen? We'll end with this question. What is your ideal Grizzlies?
1: What's the... I think y'all are
0: right on it. I think it's going to be right around 26 and a half. But like, what is the ideal 2020... So do we go, would you bet
1: over or under that, then? Let's say 26-and-a-half, 72-game season. What would you do? It would
0: depend on how they have the rest of the over-under set because I think that would inform the decision a little bit. Like, for instance... If Phoenix is like 30. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get you there. But is, is it better to have a season where we go through a brutal West, we fight, we end up... Uh, we pull some out. We don't pull some out. We have maybe an injury or two. We then, with 20 games left, decide we're not going to make the playoffs and we rest John Morant? Or is it better to freaking go for it and just see what happens?
2: I, I sort of foresee us going for it and still losing uh, which is what I would prefer to watch, you know, sort of yeah. see us do. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm out of the tanking game. I think, I think we have some competitive kids that need to compete, um, every game as opposed to sort of watching us lose. Um, but when you just look at the West and who we're going to be going up against, I mean, you're just, we're just young. You're going to, it, I mean, health has a major influence on this. So like, you know, one or two stars goes down, not on our team. All of a sudden we take advantage of it. So if Donchitz goes down, we pick up. If Booker goes down, we step up. Um, so sh- sure. Would I like to take advantage of that scenario? Awesome. But, also, but the realist in me says it's, it's better for us if, everyone stays healthy and then we perform like we're supposed to get a top pick and the draft is a little bit more equitable this uh, with the teams that need it. And then all of a sudden maybe you do have a chance to get a solid number two slash three player. Yeah. Future. I
0: think the other wrinkle here is the prospect of having a play in where like the 10th seed actually has a chance cuz i think we're going to be right around the 10th seed for most of the season and i think like you mentioned brantley like being in that prime spot to be able to jump if uh you know jokic goes down or somebody like that or not not that i think they're still nuggets are a bad example but like the the mavs or yeah
1: or portland this past year
0: like Portland is another. They game. had some
1: energy injuries and some weird things, and like yeah. they fell in the standings big time right from the start. And like we were able to basically take their spot. Well, we didn't end up taking their spot, but throughout the regular season, like that's whose spot we took was Portland's. Yeah, because they had terrible injuries the whole season. You know what's weird
0: too? I just thought about this. The Lakers are one injury
1: away from
0: being like in that conversation.
1: Yeah. Like But, and like, so to flip that, not really, but like Denver so is one move away yeah. from being like title content, like truly title contenders. Like yeah. if they get drew holiday, they are going to be a scary team in my opinion. But I think back to the Grizz, um, I think we play the long game. I think we try to be patient. I think we try to be smart and not do anything dumb. And, We've talked about this before. It's amazing that we were as good as we were because half of our our books last year were like unwanted salaries. And it's kind of going to be the same this next year. Like we're going to have close to $30 million wrapped up in players that we do not want. Yeah. Now is not the time, but our time is coming. And I think we need to know that and have that in mind and build towards that. I think we're going to.
2: Who's the worst team in the West next year? It's a good question.
0: Uh, the Thunder could be if Chris Paul walks and Gallinari walks. is
1: going to go, to,
0: But the Kings still could be.
1: Phoenix still could be as well. There's not a
0: lot of bad teams. Minnesota Midwest, could also be Minnesota pretty bad. Minnesota could. I'll Spurs, go with Minnesota.
1: Spurs. Spurs, because well they're be going to give too. up DeRozan. Apparently, they're trying to trade him. Okay.
2: So, so we could be better than all those. But then the ones that you're saying that uh, were below potentially is where every my team that made the playoffs,
1: yeah, every team that made the playoffs in the West will continue to be fighting for the playoffs with the addition of, I mean, Golden I think State, Golden State would be a top three seed potentially.
2: Portland, the two LA teams, Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, Utah, Utah or could fall
1: if Gobert if something happens there, and I hope that happens because we get. We'll get their like lottery pick, which would be awesome. But that's true. That'd be great.
0: Oh, it's intriguing. And we're just gonna be frisky, which is gonna be fun. And I again just like, man, if we had if they had done conferences realigned,
1: we would be totally in the East.
0: So an interesting thing so about that better. is
1: the most recent Bill Simmons podcast with Ron Rossillo. they talked about how to make up all this money that's going to get lost from TV oh, yeah. deals. And Bill Simmons threw out expansion in both teams, both cities. He threw out of having a team is Vegas and Seattle. Oh, wait a second. Both of those would be in the West. Who would get bumped to the East? The Grizz. And that'd be awesome because we'd be like perennial, at least like top six seed every year. It'd be awesome. That would.
0: Oh, it's been a fun edition of the Grizzden Pod. We caught up on a lot. Um, we have a fun off season right around the corner. Draft is about a little less than two weeks away. And free go get your Isaiah
1: Joe Grizz jerseys.
0: Print the jerseys. Print them, uh, <laughs> baby.
1: <laughs>
0: All right, uh, guys. Next time we talk, maybe Buddy Heels will be on the team. Or Tobias Harris. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll have Matisse, Taibo, and some firsts. But until then, uh, we'll talk to you all next time.